Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You don't seem like a public menace to me. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Towns takes a tough shot and hits. He is money. Carl Anthony Towns with 37 points. I thought we played a lot better in the second half, but the group that started the fourth played really well, and that got us back into it. Uh, I thought Cat was terrific, but uh, our bench, uh, everyone was a positive on the bench, so that was important. Uh, and then the way Cat played, and then I thought Wig had a huge second half for us, and then Belly got going, and, and you can't overlook the playmaking of Belly. We had several plays in which the ball, you know, moved side to side, and then there was the extra pass. We had a good shot, but we, we passed it up and got a, a better one. But Belly's playmaking I thought was huge. Carl was big shot after big shot. So, uh, Phil, considering the play of Bielitsa in, well, at least the past three games, because uh, against the Celtics in what was a terrible game for the team, he played well. He played well again on Sunday and um, didn't shoot great until the final quarter last night, but I think he had a career-high seven assists and played well in the uh, fourth quarter shooting-wise. What would be your solution to get, get him more playing time? Because the solution I have seen involves... Wiggins' playing time being cut back a bit, which makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But what would be your your strategy if your Tibbs to play this guy more? Because he clearly can contribute if he's given the opportunity. Well, there's, I mean, you can be creative with lineups depending on the matchup. But yeah, like in general, if when Jimmy Butler comes back, I mean, it's not an issue right now because Beelitz is going to start and he's going to play thirty five or forty minutes just like Jimmy Butler was, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know Wiggins can be on this on the floor at the same time as him. But Andrew Wiggins plays more minutes than basically any player in the league. And he, I think, is around 250th in efficiency rate, in various efficiency ratings. There's like two or three of them that you could go look at. And he's, he, so he's not, according to in-depth, all-encompassing measurements, he's not one of the 200 best players in the NBA, Andrew Wiggins. Now, Bielitsa is on a permanent basis. Bielitsa is is actually one of the more valuable players on a permanent basis because he's an efficient shooter. Shoots 43% from from downtown. He'll give you other things, like he'll mix in rebounds and assists and things like that. Defense isn't lights out, but he's been a little bit better lately. So I would would just scale Wiggins back, but this is kind of a non-starter, it feels like, with Tom Thibodeau. Instead of playing 35 minutes or whatever it is, I'm playing Wiggins like 27 or 28 minutes. And then giving Bielitsa, when Butler comes back, right. I'm giving Bielitsa yeah. those seven or eight extra minutes. I think he's more active. He's just a more active player. And he should play more. Yeah. He deserves it. Um, here's one more thing on Wiggins. 
And then I have a positive thing for you on uh, Carl Anthony Towns. So Wiggins this season, I did the math on this last night. The Rockets are the most, the Rockets are one of the best offensive teams in NBA history. Three-point shooters up and down the roster, Mike D'Antoni offense, them and the Warriors. I mean, we're going to, if we're going to start to rank the best offensive teams of all time, the Warriors and the Rockets are going to be maybe one and two on that list. If not one and two, for sure, top five all time. Efficiency, long-range shooting. Mm -hmm. The Rockets very specifically only shoot three-pointers and point-blank shots whenever they can. On the season, the Rockets as a team have taken 250 long twos. That's it. So their entire roster has taken 250 long twos in what? how many games? Like 65 games or whatever it is. Right. So they just they only take a few per night. Right. Andrew Wiggins has taken 230 on his own. Almost as many as the Rockets' entire roster so the has Rockets, taken this season. you said it's a 250? And, and Wiggins is at 230. So it's a, <laughs> on not, his own. It's not really that surprising. It's amazing. It's funny, but it's not that surprising. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a Carl Anthony Towns thing for you here. I put this on Twitter last night. Player A. Let's let now let's not do player A, player B. I'll just give you I'll give you Carl Anthony Towns compared to Kevin Garnett. Okay. Age twenty through twenty two. So those three seasons. Mm-hmm. Now, note this: Kevin Garnett had played a year at age nineteen in the NBA, so he had a year of NBA experience under his belt before this three year sample takes takes hold. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to give you like seven categories here, or six categories. Per 36 minutes, if you even out the minutes, because Towns plays more minutes than KG did early on. So if you even out the minutes, Garnett, 17 points, Towns, 22. Again, this is evening out the minutes per 36. So check mark, check mark for Towns. Towns, 12 rebounds, KG, eight and a half. Check mark Towns. Assists, KG was a better passer, but Towns is a really good passer. KG was a, a level up. Three and a half assists to two, two and a half assists, KG. Blocks, KG was 1.9, Towns 1.5, so slightly advantage toward KG. Right. Let's go uh, effective field goal percentage. How efficient are you at making baskets? Towns blows KG away, age 20 through 22, 58% to 49%. Mm -hmm. And then win shares, if you add in defense and other things, and like how many wins are you contributing to your team? Towns 32, KG 22. Total between ages 20 and 22. You could make a really strong case that Carl Anthony Towns, now at KG, I, I'd take him defensively at that say, age. KG was a, yeah. But Towns is a much more evolved and versatile offensive player. Yep. You could make a case that Cat, age 20 through 22, is a better overall player than, he's for sure a better offensive player. Right. But a better overall too. player than, Ke- than Kevin Garnett in that same age group. Now, Garnett got. I mean, Garnett kept getting better and right. better and better, and then like the rebounds went up and the points. And as you and the said, efficiency Garnett defensively was, was one of the best in the league. Yep. so good. Yeah. Towns has a long ways to go there, but yeah. you could you can have oh, that yeah, conversation. There are times that Cat's defense annoys you, but I have no gripe here. But, yeah, I mean, would could he be more consistent? Yes. Is he improving? Yes, I think he is. But I've got no gripe. This guy is a Hall of Fame player. I mean, we're watching a. We're watching a fantastic player, and most importantly, I think for the most part, we're watching a player that gets it. If you go back, when we had this discussion about the great young talent in this town, I think two years back, it involved Kat, Sano, Teddy at the time, before he got hurt. I'm trying to go down the list. There were like four guys or so. 
And of that group, Teddy got hurt. Sano doesn't get it. Wiggins doesn't get it. Cat gets it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean he can't improve, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean he's perfect because he's certainly not. But he completely gets it every time. Carl Anthony Towns is the type of player who on Sunday was worth paying paying for the price of a ticket to go watch. He's that good and improving. So that doesn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean. Like what he did in the first three quarters last night is ridiculous. And well, so, Sunday, fourth the bas- quarter, the basketball whisperer struck last night. Did you see my tweet? No, what'd you tweet? Oh man, the basketball whisperer. He's, he's kind of been hibernating for a while. Yeah, we haven't heard from him. The basketball whisperer. Hoops whisperer. Basketball whisperer. Uh, he tweeted <laughs> late fourth quarter. Was he oiled up as he tweeted he, this? Oh, full. Was robe. he putting oil? Was he putting oil on his hairy chest? He, he had some scented bath <laughs> items from Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> as he watched White the wolves on the road. Slightly drawn open. Yes. He tweeted, Carl Anthony Towns cashes a three here shortly to ice this game. And 30 seconds later, bang from the corner. Step back. Knock it down. Pump fake. Pump again. <laughs> Get that no, pump for there. a third time. I got to so go. High. Yes. Yeah. I got to go. I got stuff to do. I don't know what, but I got stuff to do. Have you seen Betty? <laughs> I'm so creeped out He's right the now. basketball whisperer. Uh, oh, I've got nothing. I've got, I'm so creeped out. I mean, the, the bad enough until you said that, Harrigan. You know what we should do? We should open oh. up the Patriot Realty phone lines here. <laughs> we should do something. Patriot Realty phone lines. Uh, where uh, we haven't even we have uh, Kirk Cousins is about to be wind and dine by the Vikings tonight. Let's open it that so Lewis Riddick absolutely filleted the Vikings on Golik and Wingo this morning for choosing Kirk Cousins at twenty eight million over Case Keenum for eighteen million. Do you agree? Disagree? This is your chance to chime in here six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. It's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. I've been waiting for this for a long time. On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores. Proud sponsor of The Beer Show, 6 to 7 Thursday nights. You know, we're in a giving mood right now, Judd Zolgad. Let's give away a four-pack of tickets to all four games of the NCHC Frozen Face-Off. That would be... This coming March 16th and 17th at the XL Energy Center. Yeah, you got to pick up the yeah. stations by uh, pick up the tickets at the station here by 5 p.m. Yep. on Friday. But uh, we got tickets to the NCHC Frozen Faceoff. It's one four pack, right? Uh, that's what I understand. Yes. Okay. Sir. Cool. So then, um, why don't we just do this? Caller number five, if you want them, they're all yours. You don't even have to work for them. You just have to call the Patriot Realty phone line. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Let's play this clip from Lewis Riddick one more time. And just uh, let let this sink in for a second, and then we can react again. I would say this. I don't don't think Kirk Cousins has a markedly stronger arm than Case Keenum does. I would also say this. Talking to people who I trust and all, look, I, I think there is as much... Brain power, processing power in Case Keenum as far as his football intellect as Kirk Cousins has with his football intellect. I don't see 
the wide disparity or great disparity as far as one guy being more talented than the other. I understand the shorter sample size as far as Case Keenum is concerned, but it's not like he only did it, Chris, for like two or three games. I mean, he did it for the better part of his season, 14 games. And then he did it in the playoffs. And in the first half of the NFC Championship game, the first drive of that game, you're sitting right there going, down the field. I mean, he he's right hammering them. And it's like zing, zing, zing. Let's just forget about generalities. Let's just boil it down to specific, specific situational football. Where is the edge that Kirk's given them? Is it in the red area? No. Is it pressure situations? No. Is it big game situations? No. So where is it? Tell me what's the edge you're getting for $84 million guarantee. What is the edge? What is the upgrade? Where is it? So th- this this combined with this ESPN.com, there's an analytics piece on ESPN.com from a few days ago where they rank at the time all of the suitors for Kirk Cousins and how much would each team stand to improve with Kirk Cousins. And they had the Vikings improving the least. And the reason why Lewis Riddick is saying what he's saying and why that analytics article is saying what it's saying is because they're taking Case Keenum's best and only mm-hmm. – and Kirk Cousins' worst of three years, and comparing them as if, like, well, that's the new norm going forward, and the Vikings are going to be overpaying if they choose Kirk Cousins over Case Keenum based only on 2017. But that's not the right way to look at it. The other thing is, and he brought this up in the sound bites that you just played, nobody here is saying that Case Keenum's not really smart. The intellect thing. That, okay, that no one's brought that up. He's probably... As far as I can tell, he's really smart, as as a quarterback goes. So this is not a question of, well, you know what, Case was sort of dumb. No, this is a question of your abilities and Cousins' abilities. And, and the fact that the Vikings, and I think a lot of teams, judged that Cousins' abilities are superior to Keenum's. Yeah. So this was never, nobody, I, as far as I know, nobody ever sat down and said, well, a shortcoming with Case is he's sort of dumb and it's all going to fall apart because he's dumb. Or, or or he's not, or he can't lead a team. I, I think he did a very good job. I, I think his teammates liked him. Yeah. I think he did a very good job of taking over what could have been a tough situation and thriving. And decision-wise, I think he made, at times, some panicked passes that, that weren't great, and Cousins probably does the same. Now, the question is, do you have the ability to complete those passes with your with your physical God-given gifts? Not, are you dumb? So I, I've never thought, for, like, for him to bring this up as far as in, an intellectual standpoint from that, I don't get that at all. Well, I think what he, like, I, to defend him a little bit, I think what he's saying is, I don't see anywhere, uh, I don't see any advantage that Kirk Cousins has over Case Keenum. And with all due respect, and I love Lewis Riddick, I think he does an awesome job on TV, and this is the first time I've ever heard Lewis Riddick speak, and I've been like, what are you talking about? Yeah, That he's so bullish on Case Keenum and using Case Keenum's one season, one and only season, his absolute best, and comparing it to Kirk Cousins' worst season of three. Mm-hmm. Let's, okay, let's compare the 5,000-yard season from a couple of years ago where he had a bunch of weapons around him. Let's talk about that season for a second. Like, that, that is an abo- that where he had four, a multiple fourth-quarter comebacks, too. Um, not that Kirk Cousins is the greatest fourth-quarter third-down passer. But Garcon, yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, okay, here's one advantage. Kirk Cousins isn't even an elite, great fourth-quarter clutch-time performer by the numbers. Case Keenum has three career fourth-quarter comebacks. And a lot of those games, he's playing on teams that are losing in the fourth quarter. You know, like, the Texans had some leads, but... He has three career fourth-quarter comebacks. So there's an area where I would think that Case Keenum can be questioned. 
right? Can you come back when you're down by 10 points yeah. in the fourth quarter against a good team on the road? The outrage Kirk Cousins sort of has odd. done that before. It's just odd. I, I get... I, I can see if you don't think it's a great move because of the price, I guess, but the the amount of angst expressed there to me is very odd. And I go back to, to what I said before. The Denver Broncos stepped up, and they gave Keenum a one-year contract, basically. Doesn't that tell you something? Doesn't that tell you if the NFL truly believed that Keenum's new norm was what we saw this past season, if that was him from now on, he does not get a one-year contract. He gets a three-year contract with a ton of cash. And what the Broncos are saying is, we'll give you a two-year contract, one year guaranteed at $18 million, which is good, but quarterback-wise is not great. And then we're probably going to jettison you for the quarterback that we're going to draft this year. Yeah, right. I mean, so it, 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 by the way, we're for sure going to draft a quarterback this yeah. year, just in case you're, you know... Not cool with that. Exactly. Uh, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. On the Patriot Realty phone line, Harry, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? Um, I've got to say, I am excited about the signing. Um, I know there's a lot of, uh, like you say, quote-unquote, angst among uh, some fans and some commentators on ESPN and other um, uh, you know, news outlets. I really don't see what all the vitriol is about. I mean, this is a team, like we've talked about before, they're in win-now mode. And the only surefire thing, outside of Drew Brees, which, I mean, at least you know they tried, you know, they made the phone call, the next best bet was going to be Kirk Cousins coming up and, you know, trying to fill that gap. Yeah, it's a lot of guaranteed money, but and I think you guys broke it down yesterday. It's not like a huge increase over what they were paying their entire QB roster last year. I think it was, what, like $22 million dollars. I like to the cap. Now it's going up to 28. I mean, yeah, you, it's now only him and slaughter. So you sort of got to figure that out. Maybe bring in another guy, but overall, I mean, the move to me moves the meter that much closer to going all in this year. And there's speculation about, you know, the future and what's going to happen with the other contracts coming off the books and what to do with, uh, with Barr and Kendricks and Diggs. I mean, those are all problems, but they're also good problems to have if you win a Super Bowl this year. I mean, it's again like keeping it in in the context of where the team is now. I think it was an awesome move. And again, this whole thing about Riddick and his comments about like the intellectual level. Kirk Cousins, if I'm not mistaken, had an office at the Redskins practice facility Correct. to go in and study tape day in, day out. This guy, from what I've been hearing, and he's not like he's not super out there with social media about his personal life and what he does, but the few interviews I've heard of him from other podcasts and stuff like that. The dude is strictly football, and that's it. I mean, he was, like, you know, firing off plays and names of this, that, and the third, and, and also recalling specific plays and certain games from over the past four years that most quarterbacks I don't think even care to, to put in the effort to do. I mean, I think he's a gamer. He's a guy that's coming here to win. Um, and, again, I look back at the Breeze comparison to when he left San Diego and went to New Orleans there's some similarities there when you look at their track record again. You know, I mean, Breeze's Hall of Fame, you know, we know that. But but who's to say it can't be Kirk? And I'm willing to say, you know, hey, let's pay the money to see what happens. Yeah, and That's Harry, you know, well, Harry, that. thank you for the phone call, Harry, on the uh, Patriot Realty phone line. You know, it's almost like people aren't open to the idea that Kirk Cousins, who does have a three-year track record, but also only has been a starter for three years and is only 29, it's almost like there's no conversation about him getting better. What if he can what if he can get better 
What if he takes another step forward? And all of a sudden now he's a guy who isn't just in the conversation fringe top 10, but once some of these Hall of Fame codgers start to retire mm-hmm. and he gets to be you know, 30, 31 years old and he's surrounded by John Filippo and, and some different thinking. smart people, like it's possible he could get better too. Right. So let's, let's, let's allow that to be in our brains. Yeah, it's weird. It's uh, it seems to me, and it's probably a very vocal, and it might be small uh, portion of fans who seem to think that Keenum was the magic, the you know came in and oh my gosh, he was so good and it was so much fun, and I get all, all that. But when a team tries to upgrade, especially at this position, especially a team that hasn't had stability for years and years and years, I mean, fact, I mean, if Tarkington was the last guy, as you brought up earlier in the show. And now you've got your first chance to have stability in ages there. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense to jump on it if you're the Vikings. Uh, I did find the story from Sports Illustrated, too, where the one that Harry referenced. We actually brought this up at Radio Row the week when we were doing all of our Alex Smith, Kirk Cousins, going down the list of kind of spending a segment on each one. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to give you a couple anecdotes from this this in-depth piece from November from Sports Illustrated. So Mike Shanahan was the coach. I believe he was the coach that drafted Kirk Cousins in the third round. They had RG3 and, yeah, uh, and Kirk right. Cousins on yep. the roster. Yep. And um, at the end of that summer's training camp, with RG3 entrenched as the starter, Mike Shanahan pulled Cousins aside, the backup. Mm-hmm. With what you've shown me, you could have a Drew Brees-type career, he told the backup. Cousins never forgot those words, an affirmation of his ethos. Quote, Mike didn't just show me that process matters. He showed me that my process works. He continued on, or the article continues on, Cousins isn't just a nerd, he's a gridiron scientist, and the game absolutely does define him, even during the birth of his first child. Process relaxes me. He's the dude that was on FaceTime from the practice facility while his wife was giving birth I to like a this kid. guy a lot. Yeah. This is my Judd, type of, this is my Zolgad, type of guy. Uh, Zolgad prototype. Uh, Cousins is half quarterback, half biology experiment. He spends tens of thousands of dollars of his own money annually on saliva testing and brain training. Yes, saliva testing and Wait, brain training. Can you explain that? Does it explain it? Tissue rejuvenation. Yes, it does. I'll get there. Thank you. Tissue rejuvenation and blood work and massages. He sleeps in a hyperbaric chamber, measures his deep sleep and REM sleep, his hormone, adrenaline, and testosterone levels, his heart rate, and his breathing. This season, he started analyzing the left side of his brain rather than both sides because it controls his internal speech, the part of his brain he's trying to calm during moments of chaos. It's more than training, though. Cousins is a seeker, reader, and planner. He wakes at sunrise and makes to-do lists that he giddily refers to as action plans. In college, he decorated his bedroom with inspirational quotes from George Washington, Muhammad Ali, and others. Last year, as the NFL saw a serious uptick in activism, Cousins talked with African-American teammates about their experiences with police so that he might comprehend why a player would kneel. If he better understood them, he reasoned, he could better lead them. And also, that's why he played golf with Donald Trump in June, to seek insight into leadership, not politics. Yeah, sign me up. Like, this guy is all in. He's a leader. He thinks about the game on a macro level. And he has built his entire life on, yeah. Do you suppose Trump helped him out much? But don't you think it's cool that... It's Not only does he seek out to play golf with Donald Trump and ask about leadership, Here's what I want to see. he also sits down with his African-American teammates to get to know He's them. He's had a film crew. That's I, a leader. I, I guess uh, d- during the course of this process, a film crew has been following him around for a documentary that they're going to do on him trying to find a team to play for. Like his own Tom versus Time? Yes, exactly right. 
I'm curious to see that. Do we know what platform that's going to come out on? We do not yet. But I saw a note about it a couple days ago that he's had a they've they've been documenting the free agent process for a few weeks here. Yeah. So that should be interesting. Uh, Kent Youngblood from the Star Tribune says, "So you're saying he's a nut?" He tweets in. But like Tom Brady, the quarterbacks are is a nut as well. If that's the word you want to use. And there's a reason why he's still playing at this level at age 40. So he's calming the left side. So the left side of your brain controls the internal speech, which can create chaos. That's interesting. Are you mocking him? No, no, no. I'm dead serious. No, I'm serious. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm not mocking him one bit. No, I think I think anyone who's willing to go that, that far. Very mocking. No, 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 no. I am telling you <laughs> that I find it intriguing. I did first of all, I didn't realize that. So these guys went to Edmonton and got shot out by. Stop. <laughs> I'm not mocking him. I think it's interesting. The internal speech and uh, that's it's good stuff. You don't That'd be cool, man. Yeah, I'd like to, to see that again. You know, insincere. No, no, no. I'm not being insincere here. Insincere. You guys cannot. You guys cannot pigeonhole me and make up when I'm being insincere. I think it's. I first of all, I didn't realize that the left side of the brain controlled the the internal speech process under which you can calm yourself. I find that to be... You don't need the left side of your brain because you've got the Judbot 3000. So these guys went to Edmonton and got shot out by the Oilers and you expect me to believe that it's because they were tired on a back-to-back and that's really hard. Fine. I don't buy into it, but I'll let them have their precious excuse. Now how do you explain that god-awful performance last night? Don't tell me that they were snake bit because they hit a couple pipes in the third period and were really close to making a game of it. No, they were really close to losing by two instead of four. And never mind the guys skating all night. Can we please get the goaltender to shut the five hole and stop allowing softies every other game? And don't even get me going on what the blue line is going to look like if Spurgeon is out for a while. And now they get to go get drunk at strip clubs in Vegas before their next game? This team is screwed. You know, the bot missed something. The bot missed something very important from today's Star Tribune. The last note from the Wild Notebook. Did you photocopy the front page of the Star Tribune sports section no, this on is, an 8x10 piece of paper? No, this is an 8x10 photocopy of the notebook from the Star Tribune. <laughs> today's Wild Notebook. The last item. Getting gritty. Let me read this to you, bot. You missed it. Before facing the Avs, forward Charlie Coyle had scored in the previous two games and had tallied at least a point in three in a row. A jump Boudreaux attributes to a grittier style from Coyle. Quote, he's gotten a little mad, Boudreaux said. When he plays angry, he's really good. He seems to be angry the last couple of games. Yes, more grit. That's that's what it takes. That's what it takes, huh? For Charlie Coyle to play well. More grit. Hmm. Yeah, more grit. Someone That'd be sent cool, us. Man. I'd like to, to see that again. <laughs> anger. You need, it takes anger because, you know, God knows you're getting paid more than, what, a million dollars a year. It couldn't take you just showing up and playing. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's actual strategy involved that can be dissected for why a player is or isn't good. Hockey doesn't dive into that. It's all about grit. But baseball does. And Anthony Swarzak <laughs> had something to say about his time with the Twins compared to now. Now he's this thriving reliever. We'll read you this quote. It's pretty lengthy, but we'll read it when we come back. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. From that day on, we was always together. Mackie and Judd. Like peas and carrots. On 1500 ESPN. So, so, one of our listeners tweeted this article at us. It's from uh, Tim Britton, who writes for The Athletic. Uh, Tim Britton covers the Mets. 
And Anthony Swarzak signed with the Mets. Yep. Anthony Swarzak's had a nice couple couple years here. He went over and pitched, was it in the KBO or it might have been the Japanese Pacific League, but he pitched overseas. I thought it was the Pacific League. Okay. And uh and he and he had a pretty good year, came back, actually was with a rebuilding or bottoming out White Sox team mm-hmm. and struck out a bunch of hitters. So Anthony Swarzak was in the Twins organization. Got traded for, to the Brewers last year, right? In the midst yeah. of Yeah. Because they were so, yeah. they were semi in the race at the time. So he to sum it up, he was in the Twins organization for a decade, and was a just a straight up pitch to contact mop up guy. They wanted he was a second round draft pick, so he had a ton of stuff coming out of you know at least uh, going into the minor leagues, and he wound up not being able to strike anybody out. Like that's why he couldn't he he couldn't miss bats, and that's why he wasn't a more successful reliever. And I remember. A couple guys in that clubhouse when I covered that team, there was a couple guys like Glenn Perkins was one of them who understood the art of missing bats and how you they studied like spin rates and different things. It's not just about throwing as hard as you can. You got to be strategic and you got to if, if if a hitter has a swing plane that looks like this, you can't just play into his strengths. And there's like an art to getting swings and misses that goes beyond just throwing 97 miles an hour. You can increase your strikeout rate. And uh, but there was only a couple guys really talking about that stuff on a regular basis in depth at the time. Now it's way different because the Twins have a whole new front office sure. and they're implementing analytics. So, anyways, this is from Tim Britton's Twitter account. Uh, he tweeted this sometime yesterday. Actually, it was it was earlier today. Quote from Anthony Swarzak: I can speak freely now because everybody that was in the Twins organization is not in the organization anymore. There's a reason for that. Yes. I got drafted in 2004 out of high school in the second round throwing 95 to 97 mile an hour four seamers as an 18 year old. I had a good curveball and could throw strikes. Five years later, I'm a sinker slider guy in AAA pitching to contact and trying to throw 90 pitches in nine innings. Just quick, go. Got to get those outs. You know, get the ground ball to second base, right? Mm-hmm. If you throw less than 90 pitches in a complete game, you get a free steak dinner on the pitching coach. That's what they wanted. I was sinking the ball into contact. I had some good games and some bad games. I got to the big leagues, and it was kind of the same thing. There was no consistency. I got moved to the bullpen, and stuff and stuff plays in the bullpen. I still tried to force contact with sinkers the next two or three years, trying to eat innings. I was the long guy. You really can't come in and throw 25 pitches in an inning to throw uh, to strike out the side. That's not what they needed. They needed to throw 25 pitches in four innings to finish the game and save the strikeout guys for the next game. It was kind of a transition for me. Now understand that I know the role shouldn't determine how you get a swing and a miss. If I would gotten more swings and misses in that role, I wouldn't have been in that role very long. You just grow up and mature as a professional and realize what works for you and what doesn't. Pitching to contact did not work for me. It took me 10 <laughs> years to figure That's that out. the best part of the whole thing. Wow. Well... At least we have some. Th- this helps explain it, right? Like to me, the whole thing about pitching to contact, which became a joke in some ways. You're like, okay, so what? So I get what that means, obviously, but what does it do to people? This actually helps explain it somewhat. I mean, the fact that I I, I had never heard that anecdote. That's really interesting. They I I knew that by the way that Rick Anderson and Ron Gardenhire would talk that they wanted efficiency and they wanted you to. You know, make sure you get strike one, strike two, and you know, and don't be afraid to let the batter put the bat on the ball. And then that kind of evolved into pitch to contact. Then for a while they were anti pitch to contact, but I don't think they ever really had a strategy for how to teach these guys to work out of those habits. But to to offer a steak dinner on behalf of the pitching coach in the minor leagues 
for getting through a complete game with 90 pitches. I mean, how many guys in recent baseball history in the last 20 years when when you, know, you could go back to the 1920s and 30s and the, the league didn't have strikeouts. Joe DiMaggio barely struck out ever. You know, Ty Cobb strike, would strike out like nine times in a season. Right. The game has changed, but in the strikeout era, the last the home run and strikeout era of the last 20 years, how many guys outside of a Greg Maddox or maybe like a Mark Burley would go complete games in under 100 pitches? Forget about under 90 pitches. That's, that's amazingly far-fetched to think the pitchers were going to be able to accomplish that. And then that it would be effective if you're just that. pitching sinkers into but he, the barrel of someone's back. He's basically saying... They so got in my head and screwed me up. It took me ten years to have yeah. a to have a solution for who I should be. Yeah, as a pitcher, that is really interesting. That goes a long that goes a long way towards identifying. Okay, when when you ask a guy to do this, what what that can do, especially when, when they're young, and so they trust you, right? Like if you're a veteran, you probably said, "What are you guys talking about?" Yeah, bleep off. But in a case like this. You're young, impressionable, and trying to make the team. And you're like, okay, you know what? If that's what you say I should do, I'll do it. Well, and it ain't like, I think people wondered, well, Anthony Swarzak seems to be throwing a lot harder and striking out a lot of batters now with the White Sox. What happened over in Japan? You know, what did he get his hands on? Well, like, and I don't know what his scouting profile was like, um, you know, from the twin standpoint, but if he's right that he was throwing 95 miles an hour as an 18-year-old and and that morphed over five years to this sort of, systematic pitch-to-contact method that the Twins had. Yep. Keep in mind, pitch-to-contact, when you have an unbelievable set of defenders at the Major League level, works better. When Doug Mankiewicz is your first baseman and Torrey Hunter is your center fielder. So, the, like, the Twins could get away with it more now with this particular defensive alignment, too, because Joe Maurer is a great defensive first baseman. Right. And uh, Brian Dozier is a gold glover at second. And Byron Buxton, and these guys are roaming around the outfield. So, in theory, you could get away with pitching to contact much more now than ever, but wouldn't you want to get, like, why would you not want to miss bats? That's what it's I was like, well, say. the most baffling part of that period of Twins baseball. If you've got a guy who doesn't have great stuff and, and you say, okay, let's come up with, let's come up with the best solution for you. I get that. Yeah. But if your whole organizational philosophy is let's take everyone and put them in the same pot and pitch to contact. Yeah. What sense does that make? Yeah. It makes none to me. It's a, uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I think just be thankful as a Twins fan now that they've got a couple guys who have done a lot of work behind the scenes setting up systems and beefing up the front office and the scouting staffs, and they've got a methodology that ideally should pay off here in the next year or two with not just like the guys they're bringing in, the Lance Lynns. Those are, that like Lance Lynn was yeah. developed by the Cardinals, but, yep. you know, these pitchers that are drafted in the first round, second round, third round, that you never hear from again after the draft outside of Kyle Gibson, and he's even a borderline starting pitcher because he's 30 years old now and he's never been able to to fully click. You'd like to see some of these guys, the Blaine Enlows and the and the Fernando Romeros popping up and being awesome playoff caliber rotation guys at some point. Only if they, not pitch, to, pitching only to if they pitch to contact. Yeah. So that was I interesting, told you, Anthony Swarzak. I told you that that should have been the name of the renamed Metropolitan Club. As an ode to Twins past, it should have been Pitch to Contact. I kind of like it. That's what I would have named it. I kind of like instead it. Instead of Bat and Barrel. Ugh. <laughs> bat and Barrel. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Let's open up for some Ask Mackie and Judd to wrap the show here. If you have questions about football or Pitching to Contact... Or uh, Judd's weekend plans, 
You can reach out 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 on the Patriot Realty phone line. Or uh, tweet at us, at Phil Mackey, at 1500ESPN-Judd. You can email us, Judd at 1500ESPN.com. Before we do anything, Luther Brookdale Toyota, speaking of the twins, by the way, Luther Brookdale Toyota is a proud and main sponsor of the Touch Em All Twins podcast. Just saw an email. We, uh, we, we broke a download record for the last 30 days. We appreciate you guys checking it out. We appreciate you downloading, and we appreciate Luther Brookdale Toyota keeping it powered on a regular basis. Um, I recommend stopping by sometime between now and closing time, which is 9 o'clock tonight, and just take a look around the lot at those 2018 Camrys and Corollas, some of the most durable vehicles you're going to find in the world, combined with the best service department in the Twin Cities. There's a reason why my family and I have been going to the same place for three-plus decades uh, also, if you're going down to the auto show and, uh, you know, you were excited about maybe a new vehicle, a Toyota, Luther Brookdale Toyota is is the place to uh, to do a test drive, and they're celebrating the auto show with some great specials. 0% financing on nine different models. 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard. Mackie and Judd are back. Lights, on 1500 ESPN. Join Judd Zolgad. Oh, man, he's all over the place. And 1500 ESPN at Main Street Bar and Grill at Hopkins. This Friday, he's going to be there from 5 to 7. It's the ultimate college basketball tournament viewing party. Basket pong prizes galore. A little bracketology and fantastic beer specials. Hey, maybe Judd can say something disingenuous to you, too. Uh, it's sponsored by Dos Equis. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events and Judd remind us where you will be this evening as well. Tuttles and Hopkins, five thirty to seven thirty. You are exactly right. Shady Oak Road, Tuttles and Hopkins. Tuttles at, tonight, wow. Main Street Friday. You are hold on spending as much time as usual in bars. Let me work on on this. So when I meet somebody new, first of all, I'm I have almost no chance to recall your name, so don't expect that from me. But when I meet someone new, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Does that come off as sincere? No. Not really. You need to work on your um, sincerity. Uh, hey, um, Ted, great to meet you. Judd Zolgad. No. Yeah, you just okay, help me do. out. Help you, me have out. To, you have to say, hey, nice to meet you. Tell me something about yourself. You know, what do you do for a living? Ask them something about themselves. That'll make it at least seem like you care. You don't have to, you know, take in the information. Yeah, I think here's where you go wrong in social situations. And I noticed it. So we had... Uh, we had someone in here from uh, Patriot Realty, uh, which is sponsoring the phone line this week. Thank you for the donation to we the were. Courage Kenny Institute. And so you guys were fine. We were like buddies, yeah. Once you got it going, yeah, it was a little quiet off the bat where I had to kind of step in for the first couple conversations. Yeah. And then afterwards, like the, the whole picture thing where you don't trust your smile. I, I or hey, the three I, of us are smiling at the camera, and then you're just like stone face killer. I don't like this smile. As we're all supposed to be having a great time, well, and that, you're just stone face killer not, wait, into the camera. Wait, that has nothing to do. That's the most sincere thing I do. I don't like to smile, so I don't. <laughs> it is. I guess it no, is. No, that's sin, that's sincere. That's me. That's sincerity. But I think Dave's onto something here. Yeah. When you kind of clam up, if you're not sure what to say, you just kind of clam up, and you you know you don't make eye contact. So. If you just go right in before they can, before there's awkward silence, before they can ask you questions that you might not want to answer, you can just say things like, hey, so uh, what do you think about the wild? Just generic stuff. No, but I don't Get care. Get them talking. But I don't really care what they think you about the wild. You don't have to care. 
You don't have to care. You have to give off the impression that you care. Great to meet you. And then they say, do you know Such? And I usually say, <laughs> yeah, I work with him. And then they say, what's Such like? Did Rook really lose all that weight? Yep. For a while. Yep. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> You know, and then I say, yeah, you don't know, Such and Rook are great. They're fantastic. What's Roycey like? How far down that checklist until they get to like, well, I want to know more about you, Judd oh, oh, they're usually <laughs> gone by the time that they would get to that. Yeah, I rarely get, hey, what are, uh, unless they complain about you, I rarely get anything about us. So, it's like, do you actually, know Such? Do you like, do, do you, you get to work with Such? Yeah. What's Roycey like? Do you know Sid? And then that's it. I actually have a story about antisocial Judd. So so we both will, a few times per football season, we'll go to the same tailgate. Nadine Babu from Gopher Hole throws a big tailgate. Like, they cook all week for this tailgate, and they spend. And oftentimes, Judd's wife will help with the setup, because her and Nadine are good friends, or my girlfriend. And I've heard from, like, two or three people that, like, I'll be at one of these tailgates. And, uh, you know, we'll mention, like, oh, yeah, oh, you're, so you, you're on the radio, you, you know, you do a radio show or whatever, right? Like, oh, you're Mackie, okay. So yeah, I think Judd, you know, Judd's here too. Or yeah, I think you know Judd comes here all the time too. And they'll be like, really? Like they won't know. They know you as Don's husband. Yep. They don't know that. Wow. Oh, I don't know. That's. Oh, I don't tell them. They know you well as like done. Don's quiet oh, oh, husband. The, wor- the, the drinks wor- beer and doesn't talk. The worst. To is, the worst is if I am now. Now at Bunnies when Anti-social people come up, Judd. I I had a guy on Saturday night. Hey Judd, what's going on? And you know what? Then it's cool. It's fine. Because then we talk wild. We talk some <laughs> some twins, some Vikings. But the worst is if Dawn and I are out and somebody be like, what do you do? And I'm always like, I work days. I never want to say what I do. <laughs> I work days. And then like Dawn will be like, no, he's on the radio. That's the worst. Yeah. Because then they feel. And, she had some, that's a mean thing for her to do if she knows that you don't want to have wor- that conversation. And the worst, the worst is if they clearly have no idea who I am, but when she says that, they're like, oh, this must be somebody who at least thinks he's important, so I should act like that, and then I have to explain what I do. Oh, I hate that. I so don't want to do that. Why? Embrace it. You are a public entertainer. I so don't want to do You are a public entertainer. You're speaking to thousands of people. Who sits in a room without a camera, and no one can see me, and I'm happy with that. Does it trip you out that right now you're speaking to thousands of people? No, because I can't see them and they hundreds. can't see me. Dozens, hundreds. <laughs> There's five people that are paying attention right now in their car to you. Oh, but but then she'll say, "Oh, he's on radio." He does, and then they'll be like, "Oh, and then, oh, really? What do you? Oh, when are you on? Do you know Such? <laughs> do you know <laughs> Rice? Like we're at a How's we're rookie? at a Big Ten tailgate, a go for football tailgate, and like, yeah, J- I think Judd's here too. Really? Yeah, it's a. Uh, uh, Don's husband. Oh yeah, Don. Well, oh, yep. Don. They have no idea that Judge. She's the there. star of the show. Judge just sitting in the corner. I, I can't. I can't really poke that much fun. <laughs> you know, I'm just about as antisocial as you are. Uh, no, no, and I, I'm happy with it. I had I'm, a wonderful moment about. I think it was just two days ago. The gym I go to. You kind of got to turn a corner as you enter and exit the locker room. And as I was leaving the locker room, <laughs> literally almost ran into somebody that I see at the gym. But aside from at the gym few times a year, you know, went to high school together back in the day and we're, we were kind of, you know, sort of friends, but not really great friends, but you know, well enough to say, hi, how you doing? His head, head was down buried in his phone. 
So he, so you guys know each other? Yes, absolutely. We definitely know each other. And we okay. see each other a few times a year, aside from just seeing each other in the gym and giving a wave. His head was buried in his phone. I literally almost ran into him as you have to turn the corner to get in and out. I couldn't have been happier that he didn't even notice I was there. So do you ever make that read? Didn't say hi. Where you think that they might not be watching, so you scoot along as fast as you can to like get out of their view? Oh, 100%. Oh, I, I do that. <laughs> you got Hell yeah. I have gone, I have turned down the aisle in a grocery store, seen an acquaintance towards the end of the aisle <laughs> yep. looking at the soup or whatever, and turned around and said, I'm going to come back to this aisle later. I'm going to the dairy department. And if Dawn's with, with me, she'll say, well, you should go say hi. Ha ha. No, 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 no. Aisle six. Is, I'm going to aisle six. I'm going to get some bread. See ya. <laughs> we don't need bread. I don't care. Uh, yep. We can always use bread. Lettuce wraps. We're going to use the lettuce wraps. We this can week, always honey. use more toothpaste. I'm going to get more toothpaste. You can never have enough toilet paper. I'll be in that aisle. Uh, Bye. Derek James, our, one of our hosts of the Raised by Wolves podcast, he tweets in, I'm the same way as Judd. I love what I do, but I rarely volunteer that information. <laughs> well, I'm not saying you have to stand up at the front of the bar and be like, hey, everybody, it's Judd Zolgad here from the Purple Podcast, you know, Mackie and Judd show. But to flat out lie about your occupation. Oh, I don't lie. I just tell them my work days. The, wor- <laughs> the worst is the barber. Oh, the barber making small talk. So like, well, that, but that's a forced interaction. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, that's 20 minutes. I don't know if you want to commit to that. A I flight, know. a flight, I will get with you on, on the flight. Three hours, I, I don't want to lock in for three hours. I got the headphones in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an accountant. I go with uh I, I've been I, I've been a cook at Perkins before. <laughs> I specialize st- in the hash browns. <laughs> Extra oh, really? You do that? Oh yeah, it's great stuff. Love co- I love cooking. Cooking's right. my life. Now cut my hair. Uh, Dan tweets in. Am I the Dan uh, loyal listener? Dan who shows up to our live events. Am I the only one who has a good time drinking beers with Judd? See you tonight, Dan. Like yes. I'll see you tonight, Dan. We can talk. <laughs>